0: You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello,
1: this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 36.
0: Episode 36. Uh... Man, this is gonna be a tough one, Tyler, because of me and you not running well
1: <laughs> like I was telling someone else it's gonna be a podcast like no one's listening to a podcast about two losers, but <laughs> definitely not winners right now in this week, so
0: yeah, it's a uh, well, you know that's that's what it is you know poker is just dealing with the variants of the game and everything, and it's uh both me and you are dealing with the. Shit side of variance right now.
1: But so far, like the, uh, during the podcast, we've never had a period of time where we were both losing. Normally it was like one was doing good, one was doing bad. Then it would kind of switch back and forth. But man, these last two weeks have been, I mean, just a, a landslide. I mean, not a, I mean, just horrible. Couldn't be, I can't even think of an analogy. That's how kind of shook up I am this week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Uh, so, I mean, I think doing, like, a downswing, it's always very important to think, like, if it's, are you playing, like, on that, the recent one I had, like, I could tell, like, I was playing well, but then once it happened, the psychology of it really got me, and I wasn't playing really well. Are you dealing with just bad variants right now, or has your play suffered during it as well?
1: Well, I guess I'll get into my session at least. I'll start, and we can kind of break down. There was a few different spots where both happened, because um, it was definitely kind of a mix. Um, I had... You were there for one hand where I was in that bomb pot where I flopped trip tens with a pair on the bottom board.
0: Yeah, I was. I remember this hand.
1: And um, luckily I was in position so I could kind of control the pot size and played... Once the certain player called me, I was kind of hesitant on the turn. Like, normally uh, a very tight player like that would, you know, once they call, I'm very worried. And he also had a 10 for the trip 10s. But he also paired his 9. So I had 10 deuce with trip 10s on one board and a pair of deuces on the other. And he had trip 10s with a pair of 9s on the other.
0: I actually think you played this... You lost the absolute minimum. Uh, so I mean, for just for the everybody, you you flop trop you flop uh, trip tens on one board. You have a pair of deuces on the other. It goes, I think check bet and you bet the flop and the turn and then it goes check check on the river.
1: I turned the deuce, so I bet small on the flop, got it three ways, bet way bigger on the turn once I paired the deuce. He called, and then I was like, "Ooh, this is I'm trying to get to showdown." And then check, check the river.
0: I thought it was a good check on the river. A lot of a lot of times on the bomb pots, I will kind of hammer this pretty hard, uh, basically because I just it, you don't want to be splitting a ton of pots. So for the most part, you kind of want to be putting people to the test and taking down the whole pot. Uh, I think having such a shit kicker on this 10s kind of saved you because, well, I mean, it killed you because, I mean, he obviously had the better kicker on there. (laughs) But, I mean, like if you have an 8 or something, you might be more likely to bet this.
1: I mean, on the other board, there was an ace and a 9. So if I had 10-9 and he had 10-8 or ace-10, that could have been a disaster. Yeah, But like you said, having the lowest kicker, I think, probably helped control the pot size for sure.
0: I think this was kind of the crap side of variance, but also I thought you actually did very well losing kind of the minimum for what this hand was. It's a, uh, I mean, if you, if it's trip, trip tens with a, a better kicker and you have a, even a shitty pair on the board is still kind of a pair. Cause you, you know, if the guy's completely missed on that board, you're still taking half that pot. Uh, I say, I mean, I don't think you, there's much you can do here. If you flop trip tens and somebody has a better kicker, it's on bomb pads, you have to be careful. But again, I think you did. Cause I thought, I thought the check check on the river was a really good check.
1: So that was the bad set of variance. Here's a hand that I, that was bad play. <laughs> you know, like I said, there's a mix of both here. This one I definitely think was poorly played. Um, I opened a 20 with King Queen after um, I think a guy had limped. I don't know, two guys had limped. I make it 20, get three callers, and then one of the early limpers re raises to 100. In the moment, I thought he was the under the gun straddle, just because the straddle was normally on, and you don't really see that many $3 limps coming. Right. So I was like, well, okay. So he makes it 100. Kind of like how we say you, it's awful to have ace queen in a four bet pot. I kind of think king queen in a three bet pot is pretty, pretty rough at times. I mean, just because you're just always dominated. Right. Um, the flop comes. So I call the hundred. It's heads up to the flop that comes. King nine four rainbow. He then checks it over to me. I'm thinking, well, queens can call... We'll probably call one bet. Jacks, 10. Stuff like that. So then I was like, well, okay. I'll bet small. So I bet 75. He calls 75. The turn is a 7. Like, maybe a 7 of hearts. Um, He checks it. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, he could still have ace as kings. Ace, king here. I'm going to bet 200. And... If he calls, I'm ahead. But if he raises me, I should probably, this will be my time to fold. So I was thinking of my head going into this bet.
0: Okay, let me verify this for a minute because you said you could have aces, ace-king here, and all that. And that's why you're betting.
1: Um, Sorry. So I bet small, so I was thinking a lot of stuff is going to tag along. So I was still thinking I was ahead. But if I get raised, I was mm-hmm. thinking of the hands that could beat me. Okay. So I was more thinking I'm gonna bet. I'm gonna bet fold was my plan. Right. Just because you don't really see a this is a player who did not three bet that often. So I still kind of had red red uh threw a red flag up for me. Okay. Just with the pre flop action. So I bet two hundred. And then he raises it to a uh, four hundred more six hundred total. And, oh, I mean, this is where the bat, I mean, then I just, I had already hero called this guy down in about a, it was probably a $1,300 pot and he had just no pair, nothing. Right. I was like, well, I mean, maybe he's doing this with a backdoor flush draw. Maybe. I mean, I thought maybe he might just be fishy enough to be doing this with a lesser king out of the straddle. I end up making the call. He has ace king. I have king queen to lose. Um and then when I was talking to the guy next to me about the hand, he was like, "Yeah, you don't really see people limp re-raise, you know, light you're going to, you know, see like ace king a lot." And I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "When he had the straddle?" He was like, "No, well, he actually had limped that one a straddle." I was like, "Oh
0: god." That's I mean, such a huge bit of information because I mean, from the straddle like you could maybe. Well, I mean, really, in all honesty, this is just a fold, though.
1: Well, yeah, like I told him, how many things are raising that dry turn that you have beat with one pair? Well,
0: I'm I'm talking about pre-flop.
1: Oh no, I agree with that yeah. too. Because yeah. I
0: mean, you're looking. I mean, I mean, you're hoping he's making it a hundred with like king jack, queen jack. I mean, I don't know what else really here. I mean, it's uh cuz okay let's say he's even doing it with tens. It's so much easier for him to win this pot even if even if it's 50-50 cuz you have to hit a king or queen on that flop or he's going to take it down or and then if you hit a flop king or queen on this three bet gigantic three bet pot, you still don't feel good about it.
1: Do you think it was that big of a three bet pot? I had 20 in there and then with three callers.
0: Yeah, I mean you got 20 in there. I mean cuz that's just, I mean, it's you're putting eighty. I mean, you only got twenty in there. You're you're doing times five of five of what you have.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I was just thinking it was often going to be a squeeze play. Is what I was thinking from him. Because mm. you, should, I mean, if I'm him, I'm squeezing light there a lot too. Uh
0: could be sometimes, but I think the vast majority of the time, I mean. In 1-3, it's going to be a bit... Especially the limp re raise to me, is going to be pretty strong most times. I mean, I usually give them credit for aces, kings, ace-king. If you uh, didn't
1: know it was a limp
0: re raise <laughs> Usually, sometimes, not even ace Yeah. Like I said, that's a <laughs> yeah. huge... Because uh, yeah. in the straddle, I mean, people do weird shit all the time. So I can... Like, in the straddle, I still think it might be a fold. Because, I mean... $100 when you have 20 in there. And, I mean, you're hoping for just such a small range of hands. Uh, and now I will say the one where I do like, I mean, once he checks that flop, you definitely have to bet there. I mean, his could be queens. This could be jacks. This could be ace-queen or a number of things. So I do think you have to bet that flop. once he call, And then he calls... On the turn, I actually like your plan of a bet fold here. I mean, if you follow through with that, I think that might be the perfect uh play. I mean, I don't know. Again, you're kind of limited on what you're getting value from here. I mean, you're, you're like you're hoping for maybe King Jack, maybe.
1: I mean, when you're hoping for one specific hand... I mean, and it's that's never a, a great spot,
0: and not a hand that's usually going to put a hundred pre-flop in. So I mean, I mean, I think this is either a. I mean, if this is a bet fold, it has to be definitely a bet fold, or it has to be. I don't even really hate a check behind. I mean, if he's got queens or jacks, you're he's not got much equity, and a lot of times you're just going to bet, and he's going to fold with that king on the board anyways.
1: Right. But, I mean, like I said, this was not bad variants. This was a poorly played hand.
0: Which I think is pretty good just to recognize. Because, to me, that's a huge thing, is, like, recognizing bad variants from just, you know, not making the best plays.
1: Right. And it it kind of, I think, made it sound like we might have been trying to justify that play. But that's not really what we were doing. It was more, I was more trying to tell you my thought process in the moment.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's a...
1: I mean, because once that guy did that bluff early, that's what was really the tipping factor for me. Because I had the cards in the air to muck. I was like, this is going to be a bet fold, was kind of my thought. Because, like, what could he be raising with? But, I mean, he triple-barreled me when I had King-Queen last time, and I actually had checked it to him. And he just blasted off, and I called him all the way down. He had nothing.
0: Oh, wow. That's nice. It was great. Um,
1: But I just gave him all the money back, so it didn't really matter. But... But I'm, I was saying, so, like, that was more my thought process, not really the justification, because the justified... If you're trying to justify, you should have folded preflop. Yeah. I, I think that's that's the real thing. And then you should have folded uh, when you got raised on the
0: turn. Yeah, I mean, it's... Like I say. I mean, it's definitely... Here's a question. Do you feel like that play... Because when I make these plays a lot where, like, bad variance doesn't get me as much, but when I know I played a hand badly it kind of screws with my head for the session a little bit. Did this kind of do that to you?
1: I mean, after that, I was basically just playing splash pots. I mean, my money was just, <laughs> I mean, I should have just left. I mean, that's really what I should have done. Yeah. But I didn't, and then I was playing too loose and aggressive, very loose and aggressive. Completely opposite what I said I was going to do last podcast, actually.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, you're like, we're going to tighten it up here at this point. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it was just, I guess, like you said, mental tilt, and then just, I mean, some stuff worked, a lot of stuff didn't, and then ended up having a losing session.
0: What thing is important to, like, kind of especially on yours, because me and you, our play style is so different. You're pretty much a lag, loose aggressive. I would say I'm more tight, tag, like tight aggressive. So like when I'm trying to identify like bad variance versus bad play, I think it stands out way more. Whereas I mean, yours is more kind of in between. Like I mean, there's because a lot of your plays are gonna be like fifty-five, forty-five at a certain point. When I mean when you're doing a lot of decent, bluf, decent-sized bluffs, I mean the variance is just gonna happen way more. So, so I think like. On mine, it's easier to identify the bad variants. Uh, and even then, I have a hard time. Yours, I can only imagine. Like, it's got to be super hard to to uh, identify the variants versus play sometimes.
1: Um, for sure, it's hard, to, especially then also when you're playing so deep stacked. I mean, you're playing loose and aggressive. And then, I mean, it, it feels like the more you learn, the more you can justify bad play.
0: Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can, yeah, be well, I've got odds here, 5-7. I mean, well, especially, like, me and you talk about it. Like, some of the plays, like, you, your play is so much more interesting than mine because you're deep-stacked enough to make kind of speculative calls a lot, whereas I'm just not.
1: Well, and the other thing is I also feel like a lot of people put more weight into, like, backdoor fl- flush draws and straight draws. I mean, we can use it to justify sometimes, but they just don't seem to hit that often.
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're not hitting. They are, yeah. It's uh, so yeah. It kind of well, like I say, deeper stacked. I mean, you have a little bit more room for wiggle, but it can. But I mean, like I say, when it's constantly misses here and there, I mean, your payoffs are going to be huge. But when it's a lot of misses on, like. If I'm sitting like 150 times the blind, I mean, you, I'm folding pretty much the vast majority. I mean, open-ended and flush draws, you know, it's worth a call. But, I mean, say it's a pair, like a low pair that you think's no good with a backdoor draw. I mean, you're only going to get there so often. And, I mean, there's just not that big enough payday to, to justify it.
1: Yeah, I agree. And um, so that was... I mean, so I had that big hand. Oh, I had that bomb pot loss. And I also had, you were there to see that hand where I flopped a pair and a flush draw. And I guess he had just a straight draw. And I ended up getting it all in and my bottom pair held.
0: Oh God, no, you need to go into this one. Oh, this was one of the most interesting hands I've seen, which again, I'm not sure I love your play here on this, but so you have ACE five suited. I remember. Yes. Uh, you've, you flop or flopped. turn. Nope, flop. You, you flop the, the nut flush draw with a pair of fives. Yep. Uh, how did the betting go on the flop?
1: Um, I'm pretty sure I bet he called the turn was like a straightening card.
0: Gave you a gutter ball, didn't it? Yeah, there you go. And then, uh. He jams. He, no, he. There's a gigantic raise, I remember.
1: He bet. I raised. He jammed. I called. That's right.
0: Uh. And. <laughs> <laughs> so we know you only go once. I mean. So, you, you uh, completely whiff on this river.
1: But, you know, I every time I'm all in, I just put my cards face up about 95% of the time. So, I already have my Ace-Five. I You know, I show I have a pair and a flush draw, put it on the table. That's what I have. I only go once.
0: So, he, I'm, you're showing Ace-Five, and I'm like, oh, God, with a missed flush draw. And I was like, ugh. But then this guy just... Doesn't show his cards for like, I mean, it was a weird amount of time. It was like 30, 45 seconds. It was enough. I was, like, I was like, this is about to be the most ridiculous slow roll I've ever seen in my life. And then finally shows a missed straight draw to show your pair of fives is good in a gigantic fucking pot.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I was more joking. I was like, my five might be good. I'm good. <laughs> he's not showing yet. I was thinking, you know, he's just misreading his hand. He's just going to turn his hand over. And, you know, it'll be the end of it.
0: Yeah. I don't. But, I mean, like, I did not love the play here as far as the odds you were getting.
1: Yeah, we'll call it good play. Bad variance for him. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was because I remember thinking, like, that was just a gigantic amount to put in. And, I mean, like, you could easily just call this bet. I mean, I guess. Think of how
1: tough it would have been whenever if I call that bet that he jams the river.
0: I mean, I guess. I mean, you want to talk about the most results-oriented statement I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I I mean, all... no you're wrong. You're probably right. You probably do lose that hand on that point. But here's the thing, if on the river you thought you're probably never any good here, I mean, I don't thought maybe. <laughs> I thought maybe my bottom pair <laughs> in the $700, $800 pot. Way more than that. Oh, God. <laughs> it, well, I thought maybe it could be good. Uh, so, yeah, that was a super interesting hand. When you took, turned over Ace-5 for, like, maybe not bottom pair. It was probably, like, second to bottom. No, it was bottom pair. Oh, it was bottom pair? No, you had a gutter ball, so it couldn't. Oh, win. true, true. Uh, so, it was.
1: But, okay, so here's the other thing, though. Um. So, I, he, I, was it, was I in position or out of position? Do you remember?
0: I think you were out of position, I think. So, so he much, bet right? and
1: I raised. You think you just like a call there?
0: I think you're getting decent odds for a call here. I mean, here's the thing, is like, when you, a draw heavy board, was like, I don't think you need to turn this into a bluff here. Well, obviously you didn't. I mean, you did have some showdown value. Uh, When he bets and you raise. I like just making a call here because when you do hit. uh, You're getting a ton of implied odds.
1: Right. Because I bet he donked, right? Is that and that what happened?
0: Well, you bet and he donk. a donk would be a bet first.
1: Mm, yeah, I don't remember the exact how it happened, but yeah, I don't know. I uh, I don't remember how much he exactly had behind, but yeah, I mean the moral of the story is the fives were good.
0: Yeah, well, I mean <laughs> that, was, that was that was. I mean we were talking about me blown away about you winning this pod. I mean I was I was like holy shit. But uh, yeah, it was a. Yeah, it's super interesting hand, but yeah, so one of one of our few wins in this uh, <laughs> in this travesty of two weeks. Um
1: and then I also had a hand where I tried bluffing on a four in a three-bet pot on a f- it was basically any 9 four liner to a straight. So any 9 was a straight. Yeah. Did not work. Um
0: Did he have the 9?
1: No, he rivered uh second nuts, I think, jacks full of queens.
0: Oh goddamn! Okay, never mind. That's uh. But
1: the bluff was gonna work if he didn't river the jack. So. See, I
0: mean, that's. I think that's not a bad play. I think that's just kind of bad variance. Because I mean, if you were gonna, if you're betting there, he just happens to river that. Um. Okay with that, but I mean that means he had trip jacks, right? Pocket jacks. You had pocket jacks, and you rivered a full house. He
1: rivered a full house. Yeah.
0: So did he have a set of jacks? Yeah,
1: he rivered. So he had pocket jacks rivered the jack on a
0: paired board. I mean, do you think he's actually folding a set here?
1: No, 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 no. He rivered the jack.
0: Oh, okay. The queens were paired. He rivered yeah. the jack. Okay, I yeah. gotcha. Uh, Say,
1: is he folding an underpair to the top card? Probably.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Yeah. I was. I was wondering how he got to a full house. Okay. Yeah. It's a. Yeah, that, was, that would have been a great bluff if it just hasn't happened to be the queen. Uh,
1: yeah, so that took a chunk. And then I also had one bluff where the board was, I mean, basically queen, eight, eight. And I had a straight draw. And then I raised him on the turn. The board paired. So it was queen, queen, eight, eight, I think it was. What do you have here? I don't remember. I mean, I basically put them all in, or well, my all in, which was a few hundred bucks at that point, because things had gone horribly awry, and he had the queen. So, I was like, well, time for me to go home.
0: I mean, to me, like, it very much depends on, like, what you have here, because I'm never doing this with, like, an ace. I did not have an ace. Okay, because, I mean, like, because there's a lot of hands, I could have showdown value here that I just want to get to the river. Uh... No, if I have... You have 4-5. I mean... No, no,
1: I didn't have 4-5. Um, I think I had, like, king... Uh, what did I have? With the other card, I had a straight
0: draw. Well, I don't... If you have a king, I don't... You have a straight draw? Oh, well, nine ten. I get... I don't saying, remember. How in God name do you have a straight draw? <laughs> well, no, yeah, maybe, I mean, this Dallas looks like, really yeah. getting to
1: you. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it was I think it was a second nut flush draw.
0: I don't really love this with a king high though cuz I mean you have some showdown value and now when you're betting I mean you're basically if they have a queen or eight they're calling and if they don't there's a lot of times you're just winning here. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. I, I like the I like your showdown value too much to bluff here. But uh but I mean, I don't know. If it works I mean, you're a genius, so who knows.
1: Yeah, no, like I said. I mean, there's variance and there's bad play, and I think those, that that hand was bad play, too. I mean, like I said, I don't remember... It must have been a flush draw I had, but it was definitely a suited king. Oh, okay. But then I brick, but then I was thinking, oh, well, with queen-queen 8-8, queen, eight, eight, I could maybe get him to fold if he doesn't have a queen.
0: Yeah, I mean... He had ace-queen. Well, though. I mean, I don't think anybody's folding an 8 here, either. I think you're getting a crying call from an 8. I mean... If it's heads up and people are fold- folding bottom boats, I just don't know what to tell.
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, I think I bet like either 3X pot or 2.5X pot. I
0: don't know. Uh, yeah, that's pretty polarizing I mean, there. That is pretty polarizing. I, mean, I, mean, I will can, say, if you're trying to get somebody uh, off an eight, that's definitely going to do it. Uh, I was
1: going to say, I mean, you can call with bottom pair on 3X pot, but I,
0: mean, if, I don't recommend If you're it. playing 1-3 and you're all in for 5 grand, in a $500 pot. That'd be some ways. Some people lay an eight down. Uh, No, it was... Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean... I
1: mean, like I said, it wasn't a good play, but I mean, it was a big bet.
0: I mean, uh, I will say, a right size bet <laughs> if you're trying to get somebody off that. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of... Like I say, I mean, it's...
1: But the problem is, like, when you're losing like that, you look tilted. I mean, that's like... I mean, your table image has just gone from, like... I mean, just right in the toilet. I mean, it's just, you're just getting called light there, too. That's, I mean, even though he didn't have a queen, I'm probably still getting called light.
0: Yeah. It's kind of the problem. I will say, like, table image comes becomes such a factor, especially the way you play. So it's uh, where you, and, well, one is anybody who plays with you knows that you have bluffs in your range, too. And then when you look on just tilted as well, I'm sure, yeah, you're getting called way lighter than you normally would.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had this awesome triple-barrel bluff on some guy, and I got to show. It was awesome. I think I had, I told the guy next to me, I showed him my hand. I said, I have King 4, the lucky hand, and just triple-barrel this guy off of a gigantic pot. Oh, And got God. to table it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's Tyler. He loves to piss people <laughs> off, man.
1: <laughs> well, that's what the guy, cause I play with that guy a lot. That's what he said. He was like, the way you play you definitely put people's poker strategy to the test. Yeah. Because you may have a good strategy, but are you going to ha- be able to withstand, I mean, all the bets?
0: Well, like I were saying, like, uh, I remember Bart Hansen like was talking about like Chaz and some of these live stream players who like pros. And it reminds me of the same because it's just like, they're like, if you're in a hand with them and you hit top pair, you just got to grip the roller coaster. <laughs> and just hold off. <laughs> Because I mean, yeah, I mean, it, they're com- They could be coming at you, and they could. I mean, they could have the nuts, or they can turn over absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I thought that was a pretty funny analysis from him. And then he was saying also, because <laughs> I he was like saying that he thought that guy was slow rolling or whatever too. Mm-hmm. That's why I said it'd be a weird line for me to get pissed off at someone is slow rolling. I told him, I feel like if anyone deserves it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'll just be happy if I don't get shot in the parking lot. So.
0: <laughs> you have that. You sometimes have that effect on people. <laughs> yeah. So
1: that was the general, you know, talk at the table. But
0: yeah, that's so true. So, yeah, it's a but that's how we're running. So it's a like I say, we, I mean, like I say, it's a, nice to go through this because you kind of have to adapt your strategies. I mean, if you're not doing anything. I mean, you're not growing as a player. So, and I mean, you
1: definitely want to just be on this podcast, making it sound like we only make good plays. I mean, you have to talk about the bad plays too. And everyone makes bad plays. I'm not trying to justify any of those hands. I mean, they're for sure. were bad.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I would
1: like to have seen a fold on, uh, well, the other one just wasn't even needed, but I still like the theory on it personally. I mean, I'm justifying it. Yeah, it's fine. But, um, g- you know not gonna just bring good hand or hands we played very well have to bring both
0: well yeah because i mean it's not like i don't want to do the vlogging thing where you just show your highlights all the time and i love watching the vlogs but i'm looking for the vlog that applies to my game recently where you get no pre-flop hands for 25 straight hours and then the ones you get are just dominated uh i like the realism we bring i mean you know or winning players that go through bad streaks. I mean, which, you know, that's part of poker. I mean... And
1: every bad streak, I justify if I'm a winning player or not. Because right now, I don't, know. I don't know.
0: I will say, thank God. we <laughs> Like, I this would be... Like, the one tip everybody asks me, and it's never talked about. It, like, you hear a lot about strategy, is the tracking. Because if you're going through this, and everything's not tracked... I'll tell you what. it's you, Poker will shake your confidence. And if you don't have something to fall back on... Just it's gigantic, and I know almost no player doesn't. So I really highly suggest that.
1: Oh, I mean, hundred percent. That that's one of the things that at least gets you just keep going. Because after this horrid downswing I've been on, after trying to move up in stakes, trying to make that my new game, and then just getting hammered back down, then losing at the one three. The hourly that I'm tracking is still higher than I was even shooting for back when I started. It's yeah, still way true. higher than I even was hoping for. So, I mean, maybe I'll win eventually.
0: <laughs> that is the goal. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing that really kind of concerns me. Okay, like, regardless, winning players and, you know, we eventually get, you know, it doesn't matter in the short term what's in the long run. What will matter is if poker in Texas becomes illegal again, which super big concern for me.
1: I mean, I guess... Yes, you want to tell the story you want me to tell I mean, in case anyone hadn't heard, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this has heard.
0: Well, basically so I, are we going with the the Johnny Chan's like shutting down?
1: Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I think that's probably the thing all on the news that we should at least address first.
0: Okay, so Johnny Chans uh is shutting down. Probably better if you told the story since you're actually you were just such a huge regular there. But they shut down, but I mean, the biggest thing is—is is, that's fine. These rooms are going to shut down with all the competition. Uh, the players—I don't know if the players got paid out or not. I haven't heard that much, which is probably good. I mean, but I'm hoping everybody did. Uh, and when I say it's good, uh, when I say it's good, I don't mean I don't want anybody to get paid out. I'm—I mean, like the bad publicity could really. Heart Poker as a whole. So I'm hoping everybody gets paid out and everything. Uh, Have you heard of anybody? I mean, you were there more than anybody I know. Have you heard of anybody kind of getting shortchanged?
1: Um, I've heard of a lot of people complaining about, I mean, I know this is not what we're talking about with the shortchange, but a lot of people complaining about, you know, they had just bought a ton of time. They just bought, you know, the yearly door fee. I heard someone had just bought that a few weeks ago. Which was, you know, six hundred something dollars. You know, someone else had just bought a thousand dollars in time, who I was talking to yesterday. That is all gone to naught, right? I had just bought a hundred dollars a time, so I'm not I'm happy I kept mine at a hundred. But as far as payouts, I have not heard of anyone being stuck with chips yet. So
0: Well, that's really good. As far as time goes I mean that's just the risk, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, when you buy bulk time and you get it cheaper, that's I think that's part of the deal. I mean, as far as, I mean, they did just did a whole thing like right before they closed that if you go there, they get th- you get was it three hundred hours of free time? I mean, you want to talk about like everybody should have seen what was coming here? Because uh, I mean, you just can't do that and stay open. Uh, I don't know, like, whenever you're doing these memberships that are long-term for clubs that you know could go out of business at any point in time, yeah, you kind of assume that risk, I think, right? Yes. But, so,
1: okay, so I guess we haven't heard, but here's the thing that I I think a lot of people were concerned about is they had the private boxes in the back, right, for the personal use.
0: Okay. And I,
1: I don't know if people got their money out of that.
0: I mean, to me, that would be huge. I mean, I don't know if any, if it, they did or not, but... Because, I mean, that's like basically a locker, which is... I mean, it's not even the club's money. It's just your money, right? I don't, I've do not i never used one of these because the whole thing scares me.
1: I wanted to use one. Thank goodness it didn't. But um, from what I heard or saw, a lot of people, I think, kept chips in them. Okay. And would only cash out as needed, so they would just keep large denominations of chips, which is what I heard led to the problem of... So what I heard is a lot of the high stakes PLO players switched rooms, right? Okay. But when I say high stakes, I'm talking, you know, they're playing 100, 200.
0: Gigantic stakes. And gotcha. I've
1: heard, you know, people would have, because um, someone asked, um, shoot, I think that game might even be bigger than the game he was asking about, but someone's saying some of those players sit down with like fifty, sixty thousand dollars
0: 60000 Right. I mean, if you're looking at 1-200 PLO, I would think easily, right?
1: Well, I was thinking the 100-200 is even bigger. I think he might have been talking about the twenty five fifty okay. that was
0: running. But they were
1: saying people have, you know... I mean, that's a ton of money is basically what I'm getting at, right? Right, gotcha. So I'm not in any of those games, so I'm kind of not sure. But people would have tons of money. But they switched rooms, so they went and they cashed out all their chips, right? Which then put the poker room. Because I guess at the end of the day... So... If you give them $100, they should then have $100 back, right? Okay. But if you give them $80,000 and then you leave it there, they don't keep the $80,000 behind the cage. I'm sure they took it home or whatever, deposited it, right?
0: Oh, I thought – I figured if you did, like, the locker, it just stayed in there. The big chip does, yes. Okay. But I would have thought the money, too.
1: Well, no, like, they would take the money to give you the big chip.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So instead of
1: putting cash in their locker, people were putting big denominations of chips is what I've somewhat heard.
0: I did not realize that that was... I thought it was just like a place to keep cash and stuff, so you weren't going back and forth with that amount. I guess it was probably a little bit of both, right?
1: I'm sure it was, but what I heard the big issue was, was when people withdrew everything out of there, it put the room to where they couldn't cash everyone out one of the days. But then this but here's the problem it continued over and over again.
0: Well, I know like you were telling me like for a lot of times like they were when you'd go to cash out like they'd give you a $1000 chip and wouldn't cash you out completely. Yes. And that's a pretty big sign. I mean, that was the I remember you telling me you were like nervous about them closing down. I was like, well, you know, there's only be places to play. And then you're, and then I realized it was because you had, you know, a thousand dollars, you know, which, you know, that's be kind of tough to, that'd be a tough pill to swallow if you have a, you know, a thousand dollar chip. A place closes down. And at that exact moment, that thousand dollar chip becomes worthless.
1: Yes, exactly. But, so I don't know what happened, though, when they took out that – the PLO players all left and then left the room at a deficit or something. I don't – I'm not sure what happened, but it seemed like that started the downfall from what I heard.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll be interested to see how this – because I'm about to say some things I don't care for this place, but at the same token, they did this extremely well is when Prime closed down, everybody was very nervous about that they would never reopen and cash out the chips. When they reopened, as far as I know, they cashed out all the chips that were uh, left available.
1: Oh, yeah. I I heard the same exact thing. I heard people were buying the chips for like 25% of what they were worth, knowing that they were going to open back up and just cash them out for full.
0: Oh, I heard about this, too. I was in New Orleans during the WSOP. And a dealer was saying like, "Hey, I've got it on." We were talking about the whole prime thing. It was like when the prime and the other place, I guess Posto, got raided. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were talking about if it, if what would happen and if these places would clo- would open back up. And a dealer from New Orleans was saying he knew a guy who was just going around buying these chips for for you know ten cents on the dollar. Because nobody knew, and he's like, and I was like, I don't know, that seems like a way to lose 10, you know, money. He's like, this is a pretty sharp guy. If he's doing it, he's like, there's a reason behind it. And I was like, "Mm, okay, well, sure enough, that was apparently a pretty sharp guy, because they did open back up, and they did, you know, cash out those chips.
1: Yeah, from what I heard, they cashed them all out, so.
0: So I really got to give them uh, props for how they handled that. I mean, I don't know. How this thing and and for there's a lot of people that aren't in the Houston area and in Texas around here and they're like, well, why is one place closing down a big story? Just to let y'all know, John, uh, what was 52 Social and then became Johnny Chan's 88. It was such the dominant place in Houston. You'd probably have like on average like 10 to 15 tables going. Probably
1: even more. There was times where there was way more than that.
0: Uh, The other places around Houston, I mean, you're getting like two to three tables. So that's how big of a dominant play. It was maybe one of the biggest places to play in the Texas, state of Texas. I think probably the Lodge and Rounders in San Antonio might be bigger. But outside of this, those couple, I mean, it was gigantic. So it closing down just became a huge story in Houston.
1: Yeah, um, and then this makes us have to play at other rooms now, too. I mean, once that room closes down, everyone has to go somewhere, right?
0: Yeah, well, the place right across the street is where everybody's going. Kind of kind of uh, nerve-wracking getting there, isn't, isn't it?
1: <laughs> like other people are saying, it's weird how it's right across the street, but is, you know, multiple times more dicey.
0: <laughs> I mean, so much. So...
1: I guess I'll put it this way, so when I always parked at 88, I had no worries ever that about getting into the room or anything, right? Right. i occasionally there would be like the nightclub or whatever, but you know you have guys out there patrolling the parking lot,
0: right? Yeah. At 88,
1: right? They have like the they used to have like the big what would that be like a hunting
0: tower or whatever? Uh, yeah, yeah, I forget, but I mean, but I mean, they didn't do it as much as they did at the beginning, but yeah, there was. Yeah, I never really worried about over there. I mean, for a place l- l- far less than a mile away. is Oh,
1: yeah. So, and then when I went to the new place across the street, I had a homeless guy trying to follow me in. I mean. Trying to harass me. And I
0: was just like, ah, and ran off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the parking lot. I mean, I don't know. Did they look around and be like, can we find the shadiest place <laughs> shadiest area we could open up a place in because i mean this parking lot is just full of i guess loot i mean not what lo- what is it when you're uh just going around the uh like a business or whatever
1: oh lo- loiters
0: yeah i mean there's just there's like this 15 to 20 people hanging out in the parking lot at all times not from the poker club mind you I
1: mean, I was basically, if you've ever seen that scene from Home Alone where he sees the guy doing, uh, putting the salt on the ground and he runs into him and he goes running back into his house. That was basically me at the parking lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I will give it to, you know, the place. They they do, like, security's out in the middle of the parking lot most times, right? They're
1: there, but they're not walking the parking lot like 88 was. They're at the front door. But I mean, anything can happen.
0: No, the last couple times I've been there, they've been like out in the middle of the parking lot.
1: Okay, I guess they probably have heard some feedback then.
0: I mean, I would say this: if there was not because if there was not security in that parking lot, I mean, I'd be very hesitant to to go there. Like if if they're not gonna be out in the middle of it, because like I say, it's one thing if it's just a regular parking lot or it's in a decent, not even a nice area, a just decently safe area. But I mean, it is like the shadiest of shadiest but well
1: and the parking lot's kind of small
0: yeah so it's, it's
1: not like you have open room to where you can see around yourself i mean you're basically just in a jam parking lot
0: yeah i mean so one thing is i wonder if at some point they can like like i know like the lodge like opened up a they expanded it like buying in like from the other places i mean they really seems like they could, at some point, might need expansion just for the room over there, right?
1: I could see that. I thought you meant to get more parking. I was going to say, I don't think there's any parking other than the poker room at the times that we go.
0: No, I mean, they just... I don't know. As far as parking, I don't know how that gets... Like, I mean, I will say I found a space every every time. Uh, but it seems like at a certain point, they might need more real estate for that room, as big as it is. Yeah, I agree. Or... Here's the... Do you think... So, Johnny Chan's is shut down for the most part, right? Everything
1: I've heard, they're not opening back up, is from what I've heard.
0: I mean, do they just buy that building and move right back there? I have a feeling the rent is pretty cheap where they're at. I, I would assume so. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if there's ever... I mean, I don't know, but I would... Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say the assumption would definitely be Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's getting dicey everywhere. It seems like, um, but here was something else I want to talk about. So I mean, you have anything else to talk about on Johnny Chan's or is that? No, I was going to, to mention say? that
0: other video of just the uh. So there's another video floating around that was like kind of basically. Going at Legends, going at some of the poker rooms in Houston, who, in all fairness, are not doing it like they're like Legends is doing it the right way. But they were attacking. They mentioned Legends a lot, and then they are attacking these others who are basically charging a rake. I mean, it, like just because you say it's you know if you're taking money out of the pot, just because you call it another name does not mean that it's at that point legal.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean. And you and I don't play at most of these rooms ever. I mean we' we have before, just temporarily, right right, but um you know, we always have tried to support the rooms doing it right,
0: yeah, because I mean if you're going if you're doing poker and look, what is at best a gray area? I mean, whether it's white or black, where do you think it's legal or not legal, it's definitely in a gray area. There's no reason to go further than you need to. Which, I mean, the time fee, you can say, well, there's no financial interest in that game and all that, and you're paying for rights just to be there. It's a justifiable argument. If you're taking money out of the pot, and it's calling it a ping, well, I mean, just because you change, I mean, you take money out of the pot and don't call it a rake, it's definitely not... At that point, it's It's definitely not legal at that point. There's a lot of rooms doing it that way. I think because there's a lot of players who maybe just... Even though it's charging the players way more... Don't understand that it's... One... It's painting poker in a bad light. Because when you're... At least there's a way to somewhat do it legal. You're doing it illegally. And it just is a bad... But the biggest problem with this video is... I agree with everything it said... But it's gonna float around. All the poker players already know what's going on and how they're doing it, and uh, you know they're. It's not giving any new information. But if you're not into poker, you're not gonna divide this from good clubs to bad clubs. Some are doing it right, some are doing it wrong. All you're gonna look at is, well, these clubs are doing it illegally, and it's shining a light on that.
1: Right, you just going to say poker in general is bad.
0: Yeah, because I mean, I deal with this, you know, like I say, I deal with a lot of people who just are not fans of gambling or poker, and like none of them would all ever look at this video and be like, well, some are doing it right, some are doing it wrong, In the vast public's mind it's just going to be, well, see, this is what happens when you have gambling in, in Texas.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like you said, I could definitely see the video backfiring. I mean, I know it was put out by one of the rooms that's doing it right, who's probably taking a pretty big hit from the... I'm sure all the rooms that are doing it right are taking a big hit versus the rooms who are doing it illegally, right?
0: Yeah, I'm absolutely. sure that would be frustrating. I mean, I can definitely see the reasoning. Because if you're doing everything right, you're doing everything by the bucks And, I, like, the... The room who put it out, I mean, I'm a big fan of how they do it, but in this case, all it's going to do is shine a light on poker being bad in Texas. Like I say, the poker players already know what's going on, and everybody else. I mean, and if you're a poker player, you're either supporting, like me and you, the rooms who are doing it right, or you just don't give a shit.
1: Well, I don't think... uh... Three minute YouTube video is going to make a big difference for a lot of players.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're just, it's not going to matter. Uh, and like I say, if the video goes around enough and there's a lot of, it gets enough publicity, it's not going to, it's just going to paint poker in a bad light, period.
1: Yeah, I agree. But here's um, something else I found super kind of interesting that I was thinking about. So remember how, like, years ago when we first started playing, Prime was the biggest room in Houston by far, right? Right. We used to think that there was no way that they anyone could ever compete with them. Right, correct. Then 52 opened up, and now they're the biggest room.
0: By far the biggest room.
1: And we said there's no one, I mean, it's the biggest, what they call it, like the PLO Mecca or whatever? Yeah. And then 88, and we said, well, you know, you can easily buy whatever thousands of dollars a time um, door entry fees for two years no they're going nowhere
0: well I mean let's clear this up for anybody because not everybody knows if you're not in the Houston area uh 52 and 88 were the same place it was bought it was just bought out by uh by owners that were already half half invested in 52
1: right right yeah so 52 just changed the name right but it was all the same things um but man it just seems like Any given day, any I mean, no one kind of stays on top of what it seems like. And I don't know if it's the players that decide. I'm sure it is the players who decide what rooms are the best, right? But I don't want to say no one is safe, but there's no guarantees for sure.
0: Well, I think it's almost kind of good because it's creating such a good, uh, such competition that it's really great for the players. Because that's where all these bonuses and everything coming in. I mean, the problem is, I think some of the really nice rooms that I would love to see do well. Like, I really thought that uh, the one in, they opened up in Cyprus, not the one that just opened up in Cyprus, uh, was it Hideout, Hideaway, Hideaway? Is uh, I thought that was nice. I would like to would like to see that do good, but like I say, all the competition creates a lot of good for the players. The problem is when I see a lot of, like the players only play at one room that might be given the best bonuses at that specific time. Well, if all the places go out of business, those bonuses bonuses are going to go up, go I mean, they're only doing it because they have to.
1: Right. Exactly. They'll all go away eventually.
0: So, uh, yeah. And nobody, it seems like nobody's staying on top for long. uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's just the nature of, you know, this this became gigantic in Houston, or, well, in Texas in general. And kind of everybody wants a piece of that pie. And a lot of poker rooms are going to try, but a ton are going to close down. I mean, some of the long-standing, like, Mint closed down, which I think was the first poker room that I know of in the Houston area. So, like I say, only a couple are going to stay on top.
1: Yeah, I was just I was just finding it so interesting how, I mean, we were just talking about how Prime is always going to be the best place. And then it just kind of slowly ended up being 52, then so on, and then we were talking about me buying another year of time, not worrying about it, or what was it $1,500 a time or something, thinking it would be a good investment? Would have been a horrible one for me, huh?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, at that point, like, I mean, 52 was so far ahead of the competition, it's hard to see them ever go- going out of business or whatever. But, I mean, shockingly enough, it's a it's a very fickle market.
1: Do you think if you're a player with all this going on, it's important to spread your business out? I'm not sure one player makes that big of a difference. But, but like, if everyone does average. it,
0: yeah. Uh, I th- think so. Uh, for me, like, personally, like, I will give the business who's doing the best job the majority of my business. Uh, but I one is I just like variety. And number two is, you know, there's places that, like I say, competition creates good in the long run. Like, I'm going to, I like Paramount. I like Legends. I like Prime. Uh, Texas Cardhouse. Uh, any of the ones that are doing it right that I feel like are doing a good job, I will give my business to. Now, the ones that are doing the best job with the best bonuses, they'll get the majority of my business.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just... I guess you just got to be careful as a player, right? When you start seeing people not cashing all the way out and stuff. So, just keep that in mind.
0: I mean... I see, like, in a lot of... Well, uh, I don't see in Prime, because Prime was different when it shut down for a moment, because it was, you know, that Friday that just everything went to hell for poker in Houston. uh, But we can start... I mean, you definitely have to, I think, look and see or if they're not cashing out. If something's... Like, as the rooms kind of run down, you can start to see, like, them not taking care of, Like, the staffing might be lower... Or just others... Yeah, yeah you definitely have to kind of look out for things.
1: I guess on that note, I mean... We didn't really go over your sessions, but... Not much to talk about.
0: <laughs> a lot of card deadness in my <laughs> sessions. Yeah. I mean, I
1: hate to end the podcast just without even talking about it. But just imagine a dude not getting any hands. And when he gets the hands, he gets 3-bet. And then he... That was it, right?
0: I mean... I'm not, you know, I never want to gloss over the fact, like, uh, I know the, uh, I want everything to be very real, so I'm never going to act like well, I'm winning when I'm not. And I'm not, I'm trying, I'm definitely not glossing over any of the, uh, hands and trying to, you know, just go over my winning hands. Uh, the only thing is losing hands out, just, they haven't been that interesting. It's been me being really card dead and just missing a ton of flops. So, I mean, it's – there's really no interesting spots for me. Just, I mean, hopefully, you know, get into more interesting spots. I mean, even if I lose this next week and get in a few more interesting hands.
1: I guess we'll wrap it up on that note. <laughs> this is the Texas Poker Podcast. We'll talk to you next week.
0: <laughs> that was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.